After COVID-19 brought the world to a screeching halt, teachers and students of all ages were forced to go digital. For the next 30 minutes, we're going to be talking about all of the newest technologies and strategies that educators are using to help close the gap between the physical classroom and the virtual classroom. So stay tuned for news, exclusive interviews, and more right here on Virtually Educated, WPCZ, LPFM, Demarest. What's up, Lions? I'm Savannah Richards, and you are listening to Virtually Educated right here on Z98.7 FM, the student voice of Piedmont University. And we have made it to our 12th and last edition of the show today. And I'm sad that it's coming to an end, but I'm I'm happy at the same time because I think that this has been a great run for the show, and I've really enjoyed getting to talk to all of the different educators and students and student teachers and everyone in between this semester. I've just had a blast, and I feel like I've learned so much from them all and everything they had to say, and also just from all of the research that I've gotten a chance to do for this show and because of this show. It's it's just been so interesting to me to hear uh, all about how different schools around the country have handled coronavirus and have handled trying to teach through this pandemic. Uh, and even right here at Piedmont, I really enjoyed getting a chance to reach out and to talk to different Piedmont faculty members and students or student teachers who I might not otherwise have had reason to to talk to about this and, and get their story and get their view on education. It's just been really interesting and it's been so fun. Um, and I do have one more show, so I'm not closing off quite yet. We're going to talk about some more stuff here today. And I'm actually super excited. I know that I say this every week, but I'm super excited about today's topic because it's something that kind of inspired me to do my capstone this way and to do this topic as my capstone. Uh, And that is the hashtag teachers of TikTok on the social media platform TikTok, which has very quickly skyrocketed to becoming one of the most popular social media networks used in the U.S. and around the world. And I know I've talked a little bit on the show before, um, not as in as much depth as I'm going to today, about TikTok teachers and how different educators are using this particular platform as well as YouTube and Instagram and a couple others uh, in order to try and connect with students. That's That's kind of the premise of my capstone project as a whole, and that's something that I've talked about a lot through my shows and through my blogs. But I haven't actually gotten a chance to share with you guys on this show what the teachers I reached out to on TikTok had to say about using this platform. And I was really hoping that I was going to be able to work out a time to actually have live interviews with a few of them beyond just the the quick interviews we had either through TikTok comment sections or through direct messaging on TikTok or Instagram. Um, I ended up talking to, I believe, 13 different teachers overall. And I just got such great information and they were all so willing and and eager to share what they know with me. And I really wanted to be able to share their story. And so I can't do that through live interview just because a lot of the teachers I talk to live in different time zones and they're working a full job. And I am, of course, a full time student here. And it should, we could never we could never just work out a time to get together and do a full interview but I do want to read to you some of the quotes and kind of give you a rundown of some of the discussions that I had with teachers on TikTok and and share their perspective as well as I can 
as a journalist um, without actually having them verbatim in the studio to, to have a live interview with me or without having them call in. Uh, and I know I'm disappointed that it didn't turn out that way. I'm disappointed that I couldn't have them on for a live interview. But like I said, schedules differ and it's just been really hard for everyone with COVID to to make time and to balance everything that's going on in the world. So I completely understand um, why a lot of teachers had a hard time making time in their schedule to do something like this. Uh, because, of course, radio interviews are always going to take a little bit more time than just interviews through text or through email. So that's coming up later in the show. I'm really excited to to share what I do have from what they said and and share kind of different teachers' experiences. We'll be hearing from teachers ranging all the way from Ontario, Canada, to right here around the USA South, over in Texas and South Carolina. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be super interesting. But real quick, before I move on, I'm going to go on a tangent just a little bit here, as I'm prone to do, because I found something today while, uh, coincidentally, scrolling on TikTok. Um, and just just a little tidbit in the news. So Elon Musk, who we all know, um, some love, some don't love. But if for anyone who has never heard of Elon Musk, he is the owner of SpaceX and Tesla and several other major technology companies. Um, very, very rich man. But he has recently decided to start his own experimental online learning school. And it's called Astronova. And this this was interesting to me because as much as I think Elon Musk is someone who genuinely values knowledge and the importance of sharing knowledge, doing something like this. And I guess it makes sense because I believe he does have, I think, six kids. So he's definitely no stranger to having kids in school and, and being around that world uh, alongside being in space and around the world of space and energy efficient cars. But I'm just going to real quick give you a bit of information on this new school that he's starting. Uh, it will be an opportunity for kids 8 years old to 14 years old and is going to focus really heavily on um, specific areas of education more so than a well-rounded el- education that you might get from a traditional public school. And this is all very, uh, very much still in the works. And I'm just kind of, I'm kind of giving a, a brief overview. But I do want to mention a quote I found here from Daily Beast that says, drawing on Musk's interest, the innovation curriculum has no language, music, or sports lessons, but students would work on complex projects such as building battling robots, discussing nuclear politics, and planning how to defeat evil AIs. I'm just going to take a moment to let that sink in a little bit um, because I did actually get a chance to hear a clip of one of the students at this experimental school talking a little bit about his school day. And it was almost scary (laughs) to hear how grown up this kid sounded. And I guess for me, I'm always a fan of allowing people to grow up and develop in their own time. I mean, your brain is not fully developed until the time you turn 25. So you you have time whenever you're going from toddler age, young, and then hitting that 8 to 14 kind of really heavy developmental ages. You have 
time to to take in information and learn about the world and and begin learning what you're supposed to learn in order to develop your brain. And I don't necessarily know that I would personally involve discussions of nuclear politics in those very early formative years, um, especially not in an education setting. It's just, it's not what I would think of. And I'm not saying that this doesn't work or that this isn't going to be something that turns out to be a good thing. I'm just a little a little confused overall about what the goal was here. I will say that from the couple clips and interviews I heard with students, and I'm talking very young students, uh, easily elementary school, though this program does apply to middle school students as well, um, hearing them talk as intensely as they were about technologies and innovation and it's just I'm so used to to students discussing what they're doing after school or what they're doing at recess like that's that's where I'm used to hearing kids conversations and I've I've worked with kids for quite a few years I've worked in both children's ministries and at daycares and children's camps and all kinds of stuff and I I kind of like to think that I have a pretty good grasp on where elementary school students' brains are. And this just isn't it. <laughs> just not from my personal experience. This is just not, it's crazy. It's a little crazy to me. And I know that there are definitely places around the world where students are beginning to branch out and look at technologies and look at computer sciences. And that's becoming something that's kind of a core base of knowledge for many students now, especially at the younger level, because we are now in a generation that has grown up with very advanced technology. Um, so that's not all that surprising. I guess I just keep coming back to the nuclear politics thing. Building battling robots, defeating evil AIs, that's, that is prime time nine-year-old mindset right there. I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had almost that exact conversation in a Sunday school classroom with a group of nine or ten-year-olds. <laughs> It's just that defeating evil robots makes sense for students. And then you throw in nuclear politics, and that just gets really dark for me. That's just not where I think students, like young, young students' mindsets should be. But once again, it's different for everyone, and this is a completely optional thing. This is not in any way, shape, or form coming to public schooling anytime soon. This is parents who have chosen to put their students into this a particular school, and that's completely okay. Every parent should have the right to make their own decisions for their child as long as those decisions are safe and sane. So I just wanted to to mention that really quick because I did. I ran across it almost right before coming into the studio, and it was it was a really interesting article. So if you want to read more about it, uh, you can check it out. The article is from InsideHook.com. And the headline is Elon Musk's Experimental School Astronova is Opening for Online Learning. So if you're interested, go check it out on InsideHook.com. Really interesting. And stay tuned. We're going to have a short break right now. And when we come back, I'm going to dive into some of the quotes I have from teachers of TikTok. Chill and relax from your day in class on Easy Friday where we will smooth your mind with some smooth jazz and R&B. In our show, we will discuss the news and opinions on our campus and our state and nation to keep you informed. So join in and unwind your mind with Easy Friday on Z98.7, The Jazz Line. 
What's up, Lions? My name is Will Sargent, and I'm here to bring you the latest news around Piedmont University campus. We've got a lot going on around campus, but let me start things off by congratulating our newest members of the Student Government Association Executive Board. To start things off, Michael Mack is the president-elect of Piedmont University. Up next, we've got Christy Lightsey as the vice president-elect, and Secretary Taylor Hopkins round things out as the new elect of Piedmont University. They all earned the rights to say that they are the first board of Piedmont University. Next up, Psychi is hosting the Declutter Your Closet, Declutter Your Mind event. This event will be where students, faculty, and staff can come and donate their gently used clothes instead of throwing them away. Move Out Day is just around the corner, so make it easier on yourself to go home with fewer clothes that you don't wear and donate them to a good cause. They will be accepting clothes from now until April 26th at the Student Welcome Desk. Up next on the agenda, we have Faculty versus Student Volleyball. Get your game face on and get out to the Sand Volleyball Court and sign up either individually or teams of four by this Friday, April 23rd at midnight. Games start on April 27th and they begin at 4 p.m. for students and 5 p.m. for faculty. If you have any questions, please email cab at piedmont.edu. We aren't done yet because CAB is putting on more of their annual events to round out the semester. On Monday, May the 3rd, CAB is putting on their petting zoo day next to the sand volleyball court. So come out and pet some animals and relax for a few minutes. And finally, CAB is putting on their late night breakfast in the CAF on Wednesday, May 5th from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Well, that's all I have for you here today for news around Piedmont University campus. Reporting for Z98.7 FM, the student-run radio station at Piedmont University, I'm Will Sargent. What's up, Lions? Welcome back to Virtually Educated right here on Z98.7 FM, the student voice of Piedmont University. And like I just said before the break, uh, I want to take a minute today to kind of go back through some of the interviews that I did through social media or through email with these TikTok teachers who are using social media platforms to better their classroom and to better education as a whole and kind of read some of their quotes and tell some of their stories and and try and give their perspectives as best I can. Like I mentioned a bit earlier, if you didn't catch my little spiel, um, I was unable to work out a time with any of these TikTok teachers just because of location and differences in time zones and busy schedules and everything else. I was unable to come up with a time to do an actual live remote interview. And so this was what I thought would be the best alternative to still have their voices heard while not making them talk to me at an inconvenient time. So just to kind of start off, I have a quote here from a teacher who is Miss Courtney White, who is an 11th grade language arts teacher from Texas. And she said, I'm able to interact with so many amazing educators and get ideas for things to do in my classroom. It's also built relationships with my students since they see that I have a fun side. And this is something that was kind of in common between a lot of different teachers that I talked to. Uh, On the whole, I think a lot of teachers were using TikTok to try and create a rapport with students that they couldn't get otherwise because We all know that, or at least anyone who's been in school or public school, private school, any kind of non-homeschool situation, uh, we know that we have those teachers that just go out of their way to get to know you as a person and to make you feel valued as a student and as a human being. And it's kind of hard to do that 
whenever you only get to see each other during 50-minute blocks on a computer screen, half the time with the camera turned off. So it, it's just an entirely different ballgame trying to make those personal connections through essentially a glorified phone call. And so a lot of teachers that I talk to, I'm, I'm using Mrs. White's quote here to kind of represent it, but a lot of the different teachers that I got a chance to talk to shared that sentiment, um, saying that it, it gave the students a chance to see that I'm human. It gave them a chance to see that I have a fun side and I'm not always the strict teacher from the Zoom class. And I just think that that's super important. I mean, I, I mentioned this in my capstone presentation or practice presentation the other day, but we all remember those days where we were young kids in school and we thought that the teachers lived in the school building. <laughs> it was so surprising to ever run into a teacher outside of school because you thought that that's where they belonged. Yeah, it, it kind of breaks down that narrative, which is teachers aren't really people. Um, and I know that that's a little dramatic, but I, I think that it's a pretty shared experience between most people who experienced public or private schools and had teachers, especially in the early days. I'm not saying so much as high schoolers believing this, but younger, younger students. It's kind of a, a quirky little shared experience. And I want to kind of carry on that theme and move on to a different quote. And this is from Edith Kovacs, who is an 11th and 12th grade chemistry teacher from Ontario. And she said, it's been difficult to really form a rapport with students, but I think that having a social presence gives them a better insight to my personality and helps students feel like they can reach out by email to ask for help. I always thought that it was nice to give students a more positive role model on social media. And there are two things that I kind of want to break down from this quote in more detail. The first of which being, she mentions making students more comfortable and helping them reach out via email. And this is something that I thought about because of this quote, and I thought about only because teachers have brought it up to me. I was always a really shy student in high school, and it was a big challenge for me to ever have to bring up to a teacher if there was a grading issue or if I was having trouble with something in class. I was just not the person to go out of my way to try and set up personal tutoring sessions, even if it probably would have helped me and I would have been a better student because of it. And part of that is just my own personal awkwardness. <laughs> but I know that this is something that a lot of students struggle with, whether it's because of anxiety or whether it's just because talking to adults about stuff and admitting that you're not perfect is hard. Um, but this is something that a couple different teachers mentioned was that it's harder for students to reach out whenever they don't have the the ease of access of just, you know, waving your teacher down before you leave class and head to your next session. Because that was always something that made my life easier whenever I needed to talk to a teacher was knowing, okay, I have her class from, let's say, 9 to 9.50, and then right after we get out of class, I'll just talk to her real quick before I leave and go to my next class. And if I'm a little late because we were talking, she can write me a pass. So like that was my plan. And that always helped me is if I can plan out in my head, all right, this is what I'm going to do. This is when I'm going to have this interaction. I've already set those expectations for myself. So I'm, I'm feel now more confident to go up and 
say, hi, uh, I need this or I need this. Students don't really have that anymore. There's none of that stability. And so the only way that they can really reach out to teachers is through email because that is the professional channel to reach out to teachers through. And as a college student, email is something that I use all the time. I send at least five emails a day. I have gotten my email etiquette pretty much down to a T, I think. I have my email signature all figured out, looks all official. Um, But that was not something at all that I had in high school. Uh, In fact, I remember coming to college probably halfway through my first semester asking everybody under the sun how to set up an email signature because it's not something that I've ever had to do. Uh, Similarly, in our Piedmont 1101 class, which is our kind of introductory to college class for freshmen, one of the first things we talked about was, hey, you're going to have to write a lot of emails to a lot of different professors and very official people. Uh, Here's how you do this. Here's how you write your emails. Here's how you remain polite and professional uh, without being too boring. It's there's a whole little culture to emails that you don't learn until you get to college or in the workforce. And now students are, are kind of trying to learn that kind of digital communication a little bit earlier. Because as much as we talk about TikTok and Instagram and all of these new fun, flashy social media, uh, it's email is still very much relevant. I mean, email was one of our earliest forms of telecommunications and digital communications. And it will probably remain a major part of telecommunications for quite a while. So to have students now suddenly a freshman in high school, barely over the age of 14, 15, trying to learn how to write good professional emails to a teacher and be able to properly communicate what they're having problems with, I could see that being an issue. Because even if you are well-versed in writing emails, trying to explain, and maybe this is just me, if you asked me to explain a problem that I am having on, say, a math assignment or a physics assignment through email, uh, that's <laughs> that's not going to go over well. I've tried. I've, I've had these issues before where, you know, my professor or my teacher has asked me, hey, if you have any questions on the homework or on this assignment, email me and I'll get back to you. Um, it takes me enough brain power, more than enough brain power, just trying to explain what I don't understand about something like math or science verbally. And I like to think that I'm a pretty good verbal communicator. Trying to write an email and explain that I don't understand how to find the cosine of whatever the math thing is, um, is not easy for me at all. And so I I have a hard time imagining that it would be any easier for 14 and 15-year-olds. So... If if this is if TikTok is something that teachers believe might be able to make students more comfortable with them or kind of cut through that initial awkwardness or make them feel like they are less a fish out of water whenever it comes to sending important emails to teachers asking for help, I think that that is only a beneficial thing. And then moving on to the second thing I wanted to talk about in this quote, she said that she always 
thought it would be nice to have more positive role models for students, especially on social media. And I just, I understand that because social media right now has a lot of controversy going on with mental health. I know that I just gave a presentation about the negative effects of social media on mental health at our symposium here. Several other students had similar presentations. And to see that there are educators and and adults who are knowledgeable in kind of student psychology and things like that, making content for students that is going to be safe and beneficial, I can see how that is a positive draw to more teachers to start using things like TikTok. And then the final quote I want to talk about today is from Leah Carper, who is a 10th grade English teacher from North Carolina. And she said, I think it is important to speak the language that students speak in order to help them learn. One language students speaking are speaking right now is TikTok. And I think that's really true. Um, TikTok, as I mentioned earlier, has quickly become very, very popular. And that doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. Um, and we are talking about a generation, the digital generation, who has grown up with technology and with social media. Most of them don't remember a time before Facebook or most of them don't remember MySpace at all, uh, myself included in that category. But that's how they communicate. This is this has become a core part of communications for them are telecommunications. And so for teachers to be able to reach them, a lot of schools for even a while before COVID have been pushing for teachers to kind of make the adjustment and begin communicating with them using that communication style that they are used to. And that doesn't mean purely digital communications. It just means integrate those forms of communication into your learning so that you make sure that you are connecting with them on every level. Uh, and I think that TikTok has really helped accomplish that. And it seems from the teachers I talk to that a lot of them believe that as well. And I just want to take this moment to give one more thank you to every teacher and educator and student and academic technology professional who took the time to speak to me through this show. It's just been such an honor to get to talk to you all. And maybe that was a, a tad bit dramatic, but I have had a lot of fun and I feel like I've learned a lot. So thank you once again. From heading home going to the country. Georgia music from the soul Georgia. of Georgia's musicians has always been the soundtrack to our lives. Georgia. And Georgia radio has been right there with you wherever you go for almost a century. Love, I walk on in the quiet times. It's time to get up and let the good times roll. We're America's broadcasters and the great radio stations of Georgia. This year, radio turns 100 years young, and we're just getting started. Coming to a device near you, the very best is yet to come. For more on the centennial of radio in America, visit gab.org radio 100. This message brought to you with pride by member stations of the Georgia Association of Broadcasters. Hello, Lions. My name is Olivia Justice, reporting for Z98.7 FM, the student-run radio station at Piedmont University. I will here with you with your latest news. Your men's baseball team is still well on their way in conference play. The men traveled to Brevard on April 19th to play a doubleheader. 
They came home with one win and one loss. They lost their first game 2-4, but came back in the second game to win 9-2. The men will be playing Covenant April 23rd and 24th at Covenant. They will finally be home again on April 30th and May 1st against LaGrange. Good luck, boys. Heading on over to the softball field, the women's softball team has been killing it this year. This past week, the ladies took a clean sweep with Caitlin Perry being Player of the Week, Martina Maloch being Pitcher of the Week, Hannah Smith being Rookie of the Week, and finally, Emma McBriar being Rookie Pitcher of the Week. The Lady Lions will be traveling to Wesleyan College April 23rd for a doubleheader. They will then play Agnes Scott here at home on April 24th. Bring home the win, ladies. From the diamond to the tennis courts, the Lady Lions ended their regular season with 9-2 win over conference. They will be playing Huntington on April 23rd here at home. Then they will play the USA South Championship May 1st. But who they play and where they're playing at is to be determined. Bring home another trophy to Piedmont University, ladies. Reporting for Z98.7 FM, the student-run radio station at Piedmont University, I'm Olivia Justice. Welcome back, Lions. And this has been our final episode of Virtually Educated. Thank you, everyone who has listened to my show this semester. And I hope that anyone who is interested in hearing more will continue to do their own research. Once again, I've had such a great time hosting this show, reporting for Z98.7 FM, the student voice of Piedmont University. I'm Savannah Richards. Tune in again next Thursday at 4 p.m. for another 30 minutes of exclusive talk and interviews right here on Z98.7 FM.